Good morning, everyone. Sorry I have my early morning wake-up voice going because I'm recording this before I go to work, but it is kind of like a nice extra deep voice. Um, I used to, uh, in college, maybe I've said this before in the podcast, when I would get a cold, which I'm kind of getting over right now, my voice would get super deep like this, and I would, uh, just to be a, a total annoying nerd to my uh, friends, but it actually entertained them. Um, so I guess maybe it wasn't an annoying, it was just funny. But I would uh, pretend to be like uh, Ulysses S. Grant writing uh, um, like journal entries from the, uh, you know, from like Gettysburg or something. Um, so maybe I'll give you a little taste of that. Today, I anticipate complete surrender of General Robert E. Lee and the entire Confederate Army. Ulysses S. Grant, April 10th, 1865. See, how was that? Was that like, could I could I do like a voiceover in a uh, History Channel uh, reenactment or something? But anyways, I know, I know. I'm so annoying, but I got to wake myself up here. I'm drinking two-day-old coffee. I'm eating a leftover cupcake from my daughter's um birthday celebration just to give me a little sugar and a little uh a little caffeine in my tank here it's real early i had to wake up early to do this i'm actually up extra early today because i mean i always have to get to work you know i start work at about seven every day but but um today i got more going on because my friend doug durant and uh, all of our sharing the land access seekers at Hoxie, where I work, they are all coming to uh, town today to uh, do some uh, hunting with us. So we're gonna we're gonna be uh, filming for uh, a uh, production done with sharing the land. And um, so I'm up extra early. I'm really excited about that. We're gonna be doing a pheasant hunt today. So these access seekers came. And they did a um, work day, and uh, now we're going to um, now we're going to be, uh, you know, giving them what they've earned by doing their work day. We're going to give them some great hunting access in our production fields at Hoxie. So, um, you know, if you ever wanted to do something like that, send in an application through Sharing the Land to uh, join, or maybe if you're a landowner out there and uh, you had some like extra um chores around the place that you really needed to get done you weren't sure how you were going to get them done by yourself sharing the land helps solve that Um, it makes it much much more doable to uh, uh, get the the work done you know the the major projects that go on when you own land and uh, in exchange, you get people that are going to be vested in your land. They're not going to want to use it and abuse it, most likely. Of course, there's no guarantees. But I have found through our participation with sharing the land at work that um, it's been very good. And we got some great people who uh, want want to uh, you know be a part of what's going on at, at Hoxie. And so, and the other thing is, is you don't give up like total control. It's not like you're just okay, you helped me uh, paint my barn. Now here's the open, or, you know, here's the keys to hunt this place whenever you want, however much you want with whoever you want. No, 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 it's not like that at all. It's very, you know, you're still in control. You can still, um, uh, you can still uh, like say, no, you know what? I'm going to hunt first with my, my kids 
or my my friends or my you know i'm going to uh, be bow hunting this one buck really hard through october so don't come until november you know whatever you can set parameters still it's not their property they've just earned some piece of it as doug says access has value and so uh sharing the land reflects that and um or we're happy to be doing it at hoxie i'm actually um looking for a way to start doing this um uh see if my grandparents are interested i should say in doing this or we could get some uh some good you know useful help around the farm get a few projects done that that my grandpa would like to see done or something and um uh, maybe trade a few pheasant hunts for that there's a lot of opportunities here but anyways that's what i'm doing today i'm up early i'm rambling i know i'm tired i'm groggy um like i said i'm getting over a cold so i got ulysses s grant voice but we're gonna roll into this one and this one is a hunt update by caleb and caleb is just killing it literally and uh so you'll get to hear his hunt update in this episode um caleb and i are going on our nebraska hunt here very soon which is a great time to talk about our presenting sponsor which is spartan forge um caleb really I, I, you know, I've of course been doing some of it too, but I've been pretty busy here lately. And Caleb has just been taking every free second he has, and he's been pouring over Spartan Forge, um, using all the different map layers. He's he's really studying the terrain that we're going to be hunting in, and um, man, it's it's been it's been really helpful to have Caleb as a hunting partner on this one, uh, just using. Uh, his you know his hunting experience the things he's been learning through his research and now he's using um you know what i think is the best mapping app out there to uh help us have a really you know good idea of where we should get started in these areas that we're going to be hunting and then alex gruen our good friend from east west hunts he helped plan this hunt as well and um we actually just got our big box of gear that we rented from alex great shape good condition um all top of the line gear stuff that um i don't have a budget to be buying yet <laughs> and uh so it's nice that we can rent some of these pieces and get a good you know a good uh, uh pile of equipment under our you know or in our packs that we don't have to spend a fortune on so huge advantage there you can have that same advantage in your backpack go to eastwesthunts.com and tell alex you heard about him on this podcast and you'll save 10 percent off of anything that you book with alex whether it be a tag application service a hunt plan for a hunt that you draw a tag for maybe it's gear rental like what we're doing you can do all that anything that alex offers that you need um and uh, you tell him you heard about east west hunts on the podcast you will get that 10 percent savings which is a big deal on a trip like this um and then also uh if you aren't sure if alex is what you need there's no risk to checking it out uh you just request a free consultation and alex he's he's busy enough to where if he senses that what he offers is not really what you need he's not going to like try and twist your arm into giving him money for something you don't need he doesn't he doesn't have time to be messing around with stuff like that this is only going to be if he senses this is he can help you 
and he can help you achieve your hunting goals and dreams, then yeah, he'll tell you that he's, you know, let's, let's tackle us. We can do this. But, um, if not, he's not going to waste your time or your money. So, uh, Alex is truly the best in the business. Um, I have a ton of trust for, for him. He'd be like, yeah, right, Ken, how much trust? And I say, well, I follow him. I follow his advice into the blank spaces on the map. Um, and, uh, he hasn't led me wrong yet. So and that's, that's in some pretty vast wilderness areas. And, uh, so, uh, Alex is just a phenomenal guy and, uh, really knows his stuff and you will have a better hunting experience if you go and book with him. So go to eastwesthunts.com tell them this podcast sent you and save some save some money on the back end and then finally you shoot a dream buck on your dream hunt or a dream elk or moose or mountain lion or bear whatever it is you maybe even a turkey or a pheasant get it memorialized the right way the best way the museum quality way and uh the the way you can guarantee that is you go to a great taxidermist and there's none better than old barn taxidermy located in southeast iowa but you can mail in your stuff to them if you're from out of state just make sure that you know you follow all the guidelines for transferring you know wildlife uh parts uh, don't get yourself in uh, big trouble there um you know so you gotta have like bones removed and and uh uh, brain matter removed and and all that stuff but but uh they'll they'll coach you through that and what you need to do and uh you will get a quality mount um that that you will be so happy with for you know maybe even generations to come i can't promise that your kids will want to keep it because you know it's not not theirs right your buck doesn't carry as much meaning to somebody else probably i know that i know there'll probably be some big garage sale someday where all of our you know all my mounts and sheds just like go for pennies on the dollar or something some guy's like rattling with them or something that's all right as long as i can enjoy them for as long as i can enjoy them uh that's what i'm looking for and that's what you're probably looking for too go to old barn tax and get it done if you have any questions like mail-in mounts or something like that, well, yeah, if you're going to mail them out, just call them anyways. Make sure you get you do everything right for that. But but um, go to uh, the link in the show notes and uh, you know get in touch with Old Barn. You can do the same for Spartan Forge and East West Hunts, of course, as well. All right, without any further ado here, here's Caleb with his latest hunt update. Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, take care and take someone hunting. Well, good evening, good morning, good night from wherever and whenever you're listening to this hunt update. Caleb Drake back here with you, and uh, Kent has graciously asked me to give you a hunt update again. And uh, the last time you maybe heard a hunt update from me was from the EHD Island story. If you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to, to listen to that. You might learn a couple things about EHD, uh, maybe tracking, um, those sorts of things. Uh, it was, it's an interesting story. It's kind of put my season into a funk if I'm being honest, because, um, when I look back at that, I really had a bit of a dry spell from that point, um, until early November. Um, just to hit a couple bullet points here of what I'll touch on is I've made two trips to Illinois, actually three trips to Illinois. Now I've harvested three additional deer, from my city doe that I harvested early season. So four deer total with archery equipment this fall. Uh, I've picked up 
my big eight pointer that I shot in Illinois with my bow last year from old barn taxidermy. I got it done in a pack out mount. Phenomenal, phenomenal job there. Love that mount. Actually, my wife likes it so much. It's in our space between our kitchen, dining room, and living room. It's like the centerpiece. And uh, that that speaks volumes to the, the job done there. Uh, but well, let's get into some of these hunts here. So really following, um, hitting that buck, tracking it, not being able to recover it in uh, early season, <clears throat> mid-October really, I was... Uh, I don't know if it was me just questioning things a lot as far as season goes, but I really had a drought. I really had a dry spell for me. Um, not really seeing very many deer, um, not really any bucks at all. A, a couple at long ranges. I got into a little bit busy season with my job. So um, really just kind of had a, a, a huge October lull. Maybe not so much on the on the part of what the deer were doing. It was probably more what I wasn't doing. I was overthinking situations. Um, but on November 6th, um, there's a property that I have had my eye on, hunted it a couple times early season, standing corn, had seen where the deer had been in that standing corn, doing some scouting. Um, and I knew as soon as that field was picked, I had to hop in there. And um, on the evening of November 6th, I believe it was, they had harvested about 90% or more of this field. And then they had, they must have ran out of space in their grain bin or something um, because they left up this corn in kind of interesting ways. It was almost like they had, they had their weird angles, I guess, going through in little patches that they had left, um, which I've never seen before. But honestly, it set up almost like they had perfectly, like they had set it up for hunting and uh, had a cool hunt. I walked in there, um, it was a warmer evening. I just had a sweatshirt on um, that actually kind of it blended in the corn perfectly. Um, on my way in, I watched a coyote actually chase down and, and get a rabbit on the way in. So it was just a, a cool hunt all the way around as far as just getting in there. Um, but I got in that corn, got tucked in about 20 minutes later um, out of some uh, the, the tip of this strip of woods, uh, had some does come in. And uh, one of them presented a shot for me. She actually walked past at about 25 yards. And, uh, when she came back around, she was at about 15 and I couldn't resist anymore. So I filled my County doe tag that night. Another doe started to come in and actually that was my first rut activity I saw, uh, of this fall. And, uh, a, a, about a two and a half year old eight pointer, uh, came up and pushed her around and, uh, it was just a cool hunt right at, right at last light. He walked past me at about 10 yards and then came past me. I was only about three rows of corn in and he came past me at about two steps. It was, it was amazing. Um, it was just a fun hunt. It was just great to be out there. You know, got to made a really great shot on that doe. I, I heard her fall, found her really easily. Um, it was just great. Uh, took that doe, actually donated that to the hush program in Iowa, uh, which I was really excited to do. And I talked to the guys that, um, that accepted that deer and found out that, that that meat is actually, goes to a local place. And so local individuals, um, get to ex experience and utilize that meat, uh, which I'm excited to give back in that way to the community. Um, so yeah, that was just an all around, just a great hunt, big confidence booster going into, uh, the rest of November. Um, had some great hunts. I actually had a, an unfortunate, um, mishap with my, my arrow, glancing off of a bush with what would have been my biggest buck to date. Um, but it was an evening hunt and I slipped into this, uh, 
this small patch of timber. And I, I was walking and it had about 45, I think actually it was 48 minutes left of light. Um, I was, I got off work a little early. I was in blue jeans and a sweatshirt. I had thrown my bino harness on, didn't even have gloves on. I don't think maybe one glove. I mean, it was a complete just goofball of a hunt and was going into the spot because I knew I could get in there real quick. And I'd cleared out a little spot next to a cedar tree. And as I'm walking in and the access here is beautiful because I could park my truck in a, in a tree line and walk about 80 yards across this bean field and I can slip into this little strip of woods and there's a scrape down there. And, uh, it's really quick, easy access, no scent trail, all those sorts of things. And as I'm getting about 20 yards from where I'm planning to set up, I bumped three deer and I could tell one of them had a pretty nice rack and this deer ran up and, and the way that this property sets up, it kind of angles to the Northeast and, uh, this, this deer went into the cover and then started angling Northeast. So I actually trotted down the outer edge of this bean field and got set up within about 30 yards of where the trail he was on. It eventually goes straight North and, uh, and got set up to where I could cut him off and it worked. <clears throat> he stopped down in the bottom but he retreated back into the woods because the other two deer, which I'm assuming one was a doe and one was a smaller buck, I could see a smaller rack, I think, uh, came up pursuing that doe. He actually pushed that deer off back in that cover, and then he stood there forever. I mean, this deer did not move. I I don't, I didn't hear him make a, a sound after he pushed that buck off. And so I was standing there, rather kneeling there, um, and and. I, I thought there was enough cover between me and him to slip back to where I originally was hoping to set up and maybe try to sound like um, a buck making a scrape. And that's what I was able to I, I was able to slip down this bean field edge. There wasn't really any leaves there, so I did it quiet enough. I got down to there, and uh, this is where I really made my mistake. I, I set up on the, the north side of the cedar tree, and I had actually a spot cleared out on the south side of it. A little, I had trimmed some branches in there. And, uh, to, to kind of hide in and it had a shooting lane cut down to this, down to the scrape or close to this scrape, I should say. Well, I made the scrape noise. I kicked the ground and raked a tree with a tree branch in my hand, made some grunting, did a snort wheeze. And, uh, speaking of snort wheeze, I should back up because that buck actually made a snort wheeze at me or that buck it pushed off. So I, I, I'd already kind of seen some aggressive behavior. So I make this snort wheeze. And then I just did what he did. I just, I just shut right up. I didn't make a peep. And wouldn't you know it, pretty soon I could see movement about 80 yards away where he was at. And I could see him coming straight down on a rope to me. And uh, there's basically two trails that he had an option to take. One was at about 20 yards and one was at about 12 or 15. And if you came on the 15-yard trail, unfortunately, because I did not choose the right side of the tree... uh. I wouldn't have a great shot or really any shot, but if he stayed at 20, which he was on that trail as he was coming in, I had, I'd have a perfect shot. Well, he was coming down that 20 yard trail. He got to about 40 yards and he crossed down to the 12 yard trail. And when he got to about 20, I drew and I had plenty of cover again where he didn't even see me draw. And then he angled across the ch heading from the 12 yard trail to the 20 yard trail, right as he got into the window that I had. And I thought I had just enough space to slip that arrow with the angle I had right behind that shoulder well I ended up hitting this bush and uh, arrow glanced up didn't even touch the deer found the arrow was completely clean unfortunately this deer tore out of there though never to be seen again for me and uh 
And so that was, that was one of my, that was a great hunt though. I mean, I learned so much from that. It was super fun. Um, unfortunately missed a deer, uh, of probably a lifetime is how big he was. He was, he was very large and, uh, but nonetheless, super fun, not really a life changing thing for me. If I would have harvested that buck, but I've learned so much. I feel like that, that hunt is the hunt that really refined the skills that I, um, or my skills or kind of brought my skills back to like that that sharpness that you need in order to, to harvest a buck. Um, which then brings me to November 19. Um, I, I was able to go to a buddy of mine's house in this area. He has a field behind his house and we, we got there. Um, he was actually heading out squirrel hunting with another friend of ours. And I was going to, I was going to bow hunt down behind his house. There's this uh, cornfield he has. We've got kind of a, some root balls of trees, that have fallen over. We made some ground blinds kind of around and, uh, we get up there and we, he was about to head out and I said, Hey, there's a deer down there. We glassed it up and it was a buck, um, his property. And he said, I, Caleb, I think you should go after that deer. That's a pretty nice buck. I think I got him on camera. And I said, say no more. So we dropped a pin where we thought that deer was. And then he dropped me off um, by a bridge. And I actually took a Creek and waded a Creek down, got up on the bank, uh, cause it started to get too steep. And then I started stalking in, um, towards where this deer I believed was bedded. And, uh, I mean, it was probably four to seven mile per hour winds, way, way light winds for stalking. Um, and I got within about a hundred yards where we thought the deer was, I could actually stand up and glass down into the field and I could see a couple does um, so I'd had to stay really low. Uh, there was a huge brush pile, which was, I was really trying to get to cause I could get behind it. And it's, I mean, it's massive. It's probably 40 yards long and, and 15, 10, 15 feet high from where they cleared out part of this field. And, and, uh, and so I had good cover once I got behind that. So I had to get up to that point and actually there's a deer trail right behind it. I was able to start to take, uh, angling back towards the Creek now. And, uh, and I, I mean, I was walking like one step every 10 seconds type of a slow walk. I got behind this brush pile. I got about halfway down it and I almost took my boots off because I was getting so tired of walking so slow. I almost took my backpack and my boots off and left them there, but I thought that would make more noise um, than actually walking slowly in my boots. So I continued and I got about 10, 15 yards further um, to a place where I wanted to get to this specific tree and I either could take a straight line to it and it stayed high or there, there's kind of a double bank there or I could drop about three feet lower and get even lower um, and work my way up to the tree. And so I started to kind of head that way. But as I did, I could hear something walking, uh, coming towards me. And I, at first I couldn't really tell if it was a deer or not, but, um, I made a couple steps and then I stopped to listen again and then I could hear it clearer or heard it moving again. And it certainly was a deer. I crouched down in some weeds and, uh, I looked up and sure enough, there was, the tines were coming through, um, right on the edge of this bank. And it was coming into a, about 12 yards is where, where the, my window was going to be. So I slowly rose up and drew and, um, it was that buck we had glassed, um, from up top. I don't know if he must've heard me is what I'm assuming and was coming to check out what was coming in. Maybe he was trying to tend to a doe down there. And, uh, I, I got drawn back, slowly stood up. And when he got to that window, it, I mean, 12 yards, clear line of sight, he saw me and stopped. Um, and I released my arrow and, uh, and that deer expired really quickly. 
um, was able to was able to harvest that buck. So that was a really fun hunt for me. Um, I was able to call up my friend, um, him. Um, actually, it's Dylan who was on the the EHG Island podcast. So Dylan and a friend of ours named Austin, uh, they came out, helped me drag him out of the creek, and uh, it was just fun, fun to experience that together uh, with friends. And uh, yeah, just just super fun. Um, those two hunts were super unique in in the just standing in or sitting standing and standing corn stalking in and, and harvesting a buck um this buck's not a huge buck or anything it's not like a you know it's a booner or anything it's that it's it's a nice deer super just happy with the buck and, and the experience of, of all that um and then lastly here uh this past week i was in illinois again um i uh i got in there and hunted with my dad which was is always a good time uh, we we were able to hunt a couple different properties. Uh, actually, the first morning, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I was able to go in and um, harvest a doe in Illinois. I filled my doe tag there. That is going to be some jerky that uh, made into some jerky that Kent and I are going to take out to Nebraska on our hunt later this week, which is super fun. Um, I also got to, to see a couple more deer there, uh, including two very large bucks in that area unfortunately i don't know if i'm going to be able to bow hunt anymore in illinois i may have a couple more hunts that i'll be able to get in there um late season there are some standing cornfields that are still have yet to get out they're way behind in a, in a number of, of areas over there that i'm able to hunt so um hopefully i can get out there for a couple more hunts in illinois but um pass through shot on that doe in illinois though that was that was a great um watch that deer tip over from a deer stand um and and that was that was fun uh fun to get back in a stand i chopped my two previous deer this year from the ground so um good it was it was good it was all good i mean just clean ethical uh harvests with the bow which is always what you want especially coming off of uh what i had happen earlier this season so uh looking ahead here um I've got two more doe tags I'd like to fill here in the city hunt. I'm trying to get that done because I actually have spotted a really nice buck here in the city during the rut. And uh, he was locked down with a doe. And my goodness, he'd be a really nice buck. I mean, we're talking a wall mounter. And uh, so I, I'm really I'm really committed and motivated to hopefully get on two more does between now and the end of bow season here in Iowa. Um Kent and I have our muzzleloader hunt, which I'm sure you're getting sick of hearing about between me and him every time we're on a podcast together. And I, I, I think Kent mentions it about every time he's on a podcast anyway on this channel. So uh, we're leaving for that later this week, and uh, it's going to be super exciting. Uh, really for me, though, uh, I hope you're having a great season. And uh, maybe share some of your hunts with me. You can find me on Instagram somewhere, some way on the uh the first gen hunter podcast page and uh would love to just hear maybe how some of your hunts are going send me a picture uh of, of your deer that'd be super fun um but uh this year for me it's been great so far and i feel like the season in some ways is coming to an end but it's almost just getting started still for us and uh i'm just i'm pumped up i'm ready to head out head out west here soon um it's it's just it's so fun to share these hunts with uh with other people that's been a big thing for me this season is just sharing the hunt with 
Um, so many different people, my dad, with Kent, with someone else I, I city deer hunt with, with Dylan and Austin, and um, so many people that I've been able to share this hunt with, and, and others even are benefiting from the meat that I'll, I'll never even meet. Um, and uh, every season is different, too. That's been something else, too, that I've been reflecting on as I've gone through the season. Like, it, it doesn't always happen out of the same tree. Uh, most of the time it doesn't. It's always just different, and it's so fun to, to just get to... Um, enjoy that rather than be stressed about it. I've been really trying not to put the weight that I have to fill these tags, but I want to enjoy them. And uh, I hope you guys are too. This will about do it for me on this hunt update. Um, good luck to everybody. If you've got gun seasons coming up here in Iowa or in other states, and stay safe out there. And uh, we'll be back on another one here pretty soon, I'm sure, as we head out west to do some, some mule deer hunting. But uh, anyways, guys, thanks for listening and take care.